Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When it comes to living our daily lives, sometimes it can be very easy to lose hope. When we are dealing with the struggles of life, sufferings, failures, situations that we simply did not anticipate, but we will have to experience consequences through those situations. When it comes to life, there are many opportunities for us to have a desire for hope because the situations that we are confronted with sometimes seem to be hopeless. And ourselves personally, when we examine ourselves, when we look at ourselves and we see the struggles that we are dealing with deep inside, it's very easy to lose hope. When we have a hope or an expectation that we will live differently, that we will be different, that we will perhaps overcome some of the sins that we struggle with in our life, when we are confronted with the situations of life and these situations expose to us deep down inside the reality that we are not holy, that we are not righteous, that we are not as impressive as perhaps we would like to think that we are. And it's very easy to lose hope in those kinds of circumstances. So the Apostle Paul says here in Romans chapter 15 that one of the ways that we can obtain some sense of hope is to go to the Scriptures. Go to the Scriptures and discover the situations that people were in, in their lives, that we have in recorded history, and see the lack of hope that they had, and see how they lived their lives, and how they conquered, and how they succeeded, and how hope was restored to them. At some point, we can go to the Scriptures and we can see many examples of this, and we can obtain great encouragement through this. We can go to the law, the law that our God gave to the children of Israel. And we can see what he had to say concerning the circumstances of life. And we can be encouraged to perhaps live in obedience to the commandments that he gave because he made promises. He promised that if we were obedient to him, if we would repent from our sins and obey our God, then he would bless us. We could have hope because of what we accomplish because of what we do, because of how we turn our eyes back to Him. Unfortunately, when a person pursues this kind of a life, this may not work out in the way that we thought it would. If a person devotes themselves, commits themselves to living a life of repentance and obedience through the Mosaic Law, a person may eventually, if they are, of course, committed to this task, they will eventually discover that they can't do it that they fail, that they are not as obedient as the law demands, as the law requires. But many people do turn to the law of God with this expectation, with the expectation that if they will succeed, if they succeed 
in overcoming the sin in their lives because of their commitment, because of their devotion, their determination, because they truly want to be obedient to God, if they understand what the law says, if they can identify what is good and what is evil, and they do that which is good and they do not do that which is evil, then they will be blessed and they will finally, finally have hope, hope that they would never have in any other way. This is the Christian life for many people. Many people come to the Lord Jesus with no hope at all. They have no hope and they turn to Jesus hoping that they will one day have hope, that they will have some peace in their heart, that they will be able to rest. When he said, come to me for my burden is light, there is an expectation that the burden will be light. But what happens in many cases is that people get buried, buried under expectations, under requirements, under ordinances, under lifestyles, under principles for daily living. They get burdened by all of these things that people tell them that they should be doing. And of course, all the things that they should not be doing. And when a person gets buried under all of the religion, they will find that they have less hope than they had when they first got saved. And people often describe it in this way. They say things like, I feel further away from God today than I did when I first got saved, when I first came to know Jesus. For some reason, I feel further away from him. People say that. I know because I've heard it many times. I'm not just making this up. If you haven't heard that, then perhaps people are afraid to be honest with you. But with me, I have heard this on many occasions where people have opened up themselves and they've said sincerely that they are empty and they do not know why. But this is why. It really is very simple. The reason why is because this is the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to put a person in a situation where they have no hope. That was its purpose. That's why God gave the law. Not just for the purpose of showing an individual that they have no hope, but to show us, to show us personally that in and of ourselves, we have no hope and we will never be able to achieve anything so that we can ever have any hope. So that there is only one alternative left, and that is to turn to God for his mercy. That is why he gave the scriptures. That is why he gave the law. That is why he wanted it recorded. That is why I believe he has personally intervened in a divine way throughout history to provide people with access to what he had to say. So that through the study of the scriptures, through exploring the lives of the people that we have recorded in the scriptures, we can see that they also had no hope outside of the mercy of God. We can see the mercy of God there. And we can see that if we live as they lived, then we also would be directed to the same conclusion, and that is that we are hopeless, and it's okay. That we are not God, that we are not holy, that we are not righteous, and it's okay if we will turn to our God for His mercy, for His forgiveness, for the condition that we are in, for who we are deep down inside, then there is an opportunity for hope. But where does this hope come from? It does not come from the scriptures. It does not come from the stories. 
recorded in the scriptures. It does not come from the examples of the lives of the people who we know lived and who we have records of. That's not where the hope will then come from. The hope will come from the person who is testified of in the scriptures. You see, it's not the scriptures that give us hope. It is the God who gave us the scriptures who gives us hope. And the way that he does that, the way that he gives us hope, is by meeting the deepest needs that we have in our heart. And when he does, when he loves us in the way that we need to be loved, when he accepts us in the way that we need to be accepted, when he gives us meaning and purpose in our lives so that we can see through the understanding that he shares, we can see the world through his eyes. We can understand what is taking place around us from his point of view, from his perspective, when he relates to us personally and we understand that this is the living God who is showing us who he is. Then the hope that gets produced within our being is not a hope just based on facts and understanding. It's not a hope just based on the hope that maybe one day we may know the Lord as others knew the Lord, or as others know the Lord now. But our hope will then be built on the foundation of what he has already shared. And so the hope changes. The hope changes into a different kind of hope. You see, the way that I have described hope so far is on the basis of not having any hope at all and hoping that perhaps one day you might have hope. But what happens when we discover our God and what happens when he shows himself to us is that the hope that we then experience is not a hope of one day we might have hope, but instead we have an expectation that more will be revealed, a legitimate expectation that our God will show us more about who he is. And this expectation is the new hope the different kind of hope that a believer lives in. And we know that our God will continue to grow us. He will continue to mature us. And so this hope is not a hope that will disappoint. He will not disappoint us. He will not disappoint us because he has told us that he will complete the work that he began. He has told us that he will show himself to us so that we can see who he is. And because he has already shown something about who he is to us, we know that this is real. We know that this is true. And so our trust, our trust in what we expect legitimately is a different kind of hope. I believe that this is what Paul was talking about. First of all, in Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 4, it says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, first of all, through perseverance, perseverance in the context of the law, that we persevere to try, we are devoted to obedience and to repentance, so that we might have hope. But you will never achieve hope through your perseverance. You will only achieve hope when you come to the end of your perseverance. And I believe that's why he uses the word might have hope, because you will not have it until you persevere to the end. And the end that you are to persevere to through the scriptures is the end in the context of understanding 
that you have a need for the mercy of God. That is the end. But it is also a beginning. So, first of all, you must understand that it is an end of the law. It is an end in the sense that you turn to your God for his mercy through the Messiah. And then you might have hope. Then you might have hope as he shows himself to you, as you receive his forgiveness, as you are loved by your God, and he reveals who he is to you, then you can have a different kind of hope, which I believe is the kind of hope that he's saying you might have. This is a hope that will not disappoint, and this is the hope that I'm talking about, that it is a hope of expectation of what he will reveal in the future. Otherwise... Otherwise, the only hope that a person might be able to have is the hope that one day he will let you into heaven. That's it. That's the only hope that's left if you're still persevering to repent and obey. If you are still persevering in your repentance and obedience, then your only hope is that perhaps he might overlook the sins that you have not been able to overcome. Perhaps he might forgive you a little bit more than what you think you have. Perhaps he'll let you squeak into heaven. Maybe he'll give you the janitor's position, something like that. He might not have a big mansion for you, but maybe he's got a trailer you can stay in. These are the kinds of attitudes that people legitimately have according to their beliefs that God still holds their sins against them. So the best that they can hope for The best, the most that they can hope for is a hope that maybe God will be merciful. But when you understand the complete forgiveness of sins, when you really embrace the forgiveness that he has for you, it is then that you can enter into what I believe is the new hope that he has truly called us to. Now, one of the burdens that people have when it comes to living the Christian life is struggling with the law. It's a big struggle. In Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul spoke about this struggle. He refers to the dietary laws and the Sabbath laws, but he can refer to any law. It doesn't matter what it is. The fact is, though, is that as we mature in our relationship with our God, as we discover the implications of what he has truly accomplished for us, as we make those transitions in growth and maturity, those transitions in growth and maturity are measured, first of all, by our discovery and application of what we have in Christ Jesus, but it is also measured by how we let go of the laws in our lives, how we let go of the pursuit of the knowledge of good and evil so we can do that which is good and not do that which is evil, how we embrace the laws in our own personal lives and how we let go of them and walk in the newness of life on the basis of what he has already accomplished. These are ways that we can measure the growth and maturity of a believer in Christ Jesus. And it's important to understand what I'm talking about concerning these measurements because it helps us to understand the transitions that people go through when they first become a believer and they wrestle with the issues concerning law and grace. The war that we are in between ourselves, God, and the devil is a war over this issue. It truly is a war because these are the things that the devil uses in order to put us into bondage. I did a series on the subject of spiritual warfare, and this was the focus of it. The nature of the war has to do with the struggle between law and grace. 
So I would definitely like to encourage you to listen to those programs through my radio archive if you have not heard them already. Definitely listen to those programs because I explain this struggle in great detail. It's a very important struggle to understand, to comprehend, and to see happening in people's lives so that you can appreciate the transitions that people go through as they grow and mature in Christ Jesus. And you can also understand why a lot of people don't have any hope. You can also understand why people don't have any strength, why there is no internal fortitude within them, why there is a lack of conviction. All of these things are related to the law. And when a person does not have the kind of hope that you would expect a mature believer to have, then these are the things you should be looking at. You should go back and look at how do they relate to their God in the context of the law, in the context of good and evil, in the context of sin, repentance, obedience, these kinds of things. And that will give you a better understanding of where people are at, perhaps where you are at. And to understand these struggles means that you can then be confronted with these issues in a greater way, and perhaps you can identify the truth concerning these matters as our God relates to us, and so you can be set free from the burden and the bondage that you are in. You know, when it came to this struggle, the Jews had a harder time with this than the Gentiles. And of course, the reason why is because God gave the law to the Jews. He didn't give it to the Gentiles. He gave it to the Jews, and their entire life was focused on repentance and obedience. The Gentiles were not focused on that. They were just trying to get by for the most part. Now, in our modern age, most of Christendom struggles with the same issues that the Jews struggled with concerning the law. It's just that the law has been repackaged. It's been redesigned, or people have taken a subset of the law, the moral laws, and not necessarily the ceremonial laws, and they have adapted those in a modern Christian context, and so the modern Christian tends to struggle with these issues in a similar way that the ancient Jew did during the time when this was written. And so that's the relationship that I want you to identify concerning people today who are struggling with these issues versus the people back then, that in many ways things have been reversed. You know, the modern Jew, for example, doesn't really live by the law. The modern Jew lives by ceremonies and rituals. They go to the synagogue on occasion, once, twice, maybe three times a year, things like that. But they are not living their lives according to the law of Moses. On the other hand, there are many Christians who live their lives according to the law of Moses in a more devoted way than many Jews do. That's what I mean by this struggle has kind of changed a little bit. It has shifted from the Jew to the Gentile. So the Gentile is dealing with these issues more than the Jews are today. But what I want you to see concerning Romans chapter 15 is that the Jews at that time definitely struggled with this transition. And because of this struggle, because of this struggle, deep down inside, there would be no real hope. There would be no real rest because there is no way to rest until you're done. There's no way to have peace in your heart until you're finished. And you won't be done and you won't be finished until you get your obedience right. So the Jews would struggle with this more than the Gentiles. The Gentiles would find it easier to embrace the grace of God because they would not have this stumbling stone that Paul describes in Romans. They would not have that in the same way that the Jews had that. So again, beginning in Romans chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength 
and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. In other words, the failures that the people experienced during the ministry of Christ Jesus, the sins that the religious people committed against him, against their God, the Lord Jesus embraced, he recognized, he related to people in different ways. Some people, he said, yes, you are a sinner and there is forgiveness for you. To others, he said, yes, you are a sinner and because you don't see it, how are you going to receive forgiveness? Because you have no interest in receiving forgiveness because you don't really believe that you have a need for it. That was his ministry. And he subjected himself to the law of God in order to reach out to the people. So also we have the liberty who have strength, who have fortitude. We have the liberty to subject ourselves to whatever laws people are living by so that we can reach out to them and show them that there is another way that the new covenant has provided another way for us to live. So we bear with those who do not have strength. Who are those who do not have strength? Those who are persevering. It sounds a little odd, doesn't it? If you persevere, then you have strength. But no, that strength is a self-generated strength. It is a self-generated commitment and devotion. It is not the strength that comes from our God meeting the deepest needs of our heart. It is a strength that we derive within ourselves, hoping that perhaps one day he will meet the deepest needs of our heart because of what we do or what we don't do. Those are two completely different kinds of strength. You will find that those who do not have the true strength of God and are instead depending on the strength of their own personal commitment and devotion, you will find that they don't have much strength at all. And I believe that those are the people that he is referring to when he says, bear the weaknesses of those without strength. They are without the true strength that our God wants to give us because they are depending on their own. Continuing in verse 4, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. But then in verse 5, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. He grants perseverance. He grants encouragement. He grants hope. He gives us these things. But he gives us these things through meeting the deepest needs of our heart, the need for love and acceptance, meaning and purpose, these kinds of things. That's where the true perseverance comes from. It comes when we persevere on our own to try to be who God supposedly wants us to be so that we will see that we cannot be who he wants us to be, we cannot meet the expectations, and only then can we receive his mercy and forgiveness, and only then can he give us all that we need for life and godliness, and only then can he give us a perseverance. A perseverance. But what is this perseverance? It is a perseverance derived from what he has already shown us, from what he has already revealed to us, as opposed to 
the hope that one day he would show something to us. One day he would reveal something to us concerning his love and acceptance because of what we accomplished. That's what the law offers versus grace through the new covenant. Two completely different things. In verse 6 it says, So that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the unification of the Jew with the Gentile because of the struggles between the Jews and the Gentiles concerning how do we now live in light of what Jesus has done for us. In verse 7, he says, Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Accept one another on the basis of the struggles and the growth and the maturity that people are dealing with on a personal level. In verse 8, For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. He, of course, is the fulfillment of all the promises. And he subjected himself to them so that he could bring these truths to them. In verse 9, And for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes through believing. It comes through trusting. It comes through relying on who He is, what He has done, and enjoying what He has given with the expectation that He will reveal more and He will show us more about who He is, what He has given, and how we can apply who He is to us and what He has given so that we can live our lives in a new and living way. I know what it is to live a life like a Gentile outside of the synagogue. And I know what it's like to live a life as a Jew inside of the synagogue. But this is another way. It is a completely different way that is totally unrelated to both lives, the life of the Gentile and the life of the Jew. It is in the new covenant that we can live life with the hope that he gives us, instead of living, hoping that one day we will have hope. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.